Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Okay, it is now time for me to tell you what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now, including how and why I stay abstinent today. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Um, okay, hi. My name is Kathy, and I'm an anorexic. So what, what I was like, um, I grew up, as you can hear in my voice, in New York, uh, middle-class uh, Jewish family. I was the, I'm the youngest of three girls. And um, it was, there was, um, there were not very, there were not boundaries in my family. Um, everybody was in everybody else's business. Um, nobody had privacy. And there was a very, um, Hi, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it was very important. It was very, I can't find the word. It was very important that you achieve um, and achieve well and achieve perfectly. Um, I used to uh, say that I, I went to, I showed my mom my spelling test and I said, mom, I got a 99 on my spelling test. Well, what happened to the other point? And, you know, that really, really is not far from the truth. It really is how it happened. I think people always, uh, my parents always looked at what I didn't do rather than what I did do. Um, so we always were big food family. We loved food. We, uh, we would go out for a meal and talk about what we were eating for our next meal. Um, we looked for, oh, when, oh God, if we, if we, if we were going to go out for dinner, we were like, could not have been more thrilled. It was like the most exciting thing ever is, was to go out to dinner. Um, and we just were a very food centric family. And as a kid, I ate whatever I wanted to eat. I was a thin kid. I wasn't skinny. I wasn't, I, you know, I, I wasn't, I was normal, but I, I ate whatever I wanted to, whenever I wanted to, wherever I wanted to. Um, and it wasn't until I, oh, I had these very odd little, um, now that if I, if I, I have 18 minutes, I, I better, you know, take my time here. I don't want to like blow through my story. 18 minutes is a hefty, hefty amount of time. Um, and it's a nice amount of time because it means life in the, in Hebrew. Um, so I used to have these food rituals uh, when I was growing up. If I watched a certain TV show, like if I was going to watch The Price is Right, I'm talking about when I was like eight or nine years old. If I was going to watch The Price is Right, I had to have Campbell's cream of tomato soup. Um, 
when I was watching The Man from Uncle, I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, I would have to either have Captain Crunch or Cocoa Puffs. Um, and when I would watch The Three Stooges every night, I had a very special snack that I made for myself. I would make a tomato juice cocktail and I would put in um, salt and pepper and Worcestershire sauce, not really realizing that I was basically making myself a Bloody Mary without the vodka. And then I would take a single slice of bologna and put it on a plate and I would go downstairs to the den and I'd watch the show. It was a 30 minute show. And for the first 25 minutes of the show, I would slowly sip the tomato juice, taking tiny little sips or taking using my baby spoon. And I would I would just take little sips off my spoon, trying to make it last. I wanted to make everything last. And then for the last five minutes of the show, I would pick up the plate with the bologna on it and I would lick the bologna. And then at, I would pick up the slice of bologna and I'd eat it kind of like a rodent in concentric circles until I finished it in the middle. And this is what I did every day, every day. Um, I would um, make these snacks for myself and I would make believe I was doing TV commercials and, and, you know, I just, uh, I just really, identified with my food. Um, and it wasn't until I got to um, junior high that I started to put on weight. And I was really upset about it. I was really upset about it. Um, and I was embarrassed. Um, and this went on through high school, basically. And I, I was not very social at all in high school. I, I was very unhappy living at home. I, my parents were overbearing and my father was scary as all hell. He was really mean and I just wanted to get out of that house. I just wanted to go away to college. And that was my raison d'etre, was to get out of that house and go to college. And I accelerated through school at every turn as fast as I could. And ultimately what happened was that I graduated um, high school in December at the age of 16, I turned 16 in October. I graduated in December. And then in January, I went off to college. And I, I was barely 16. And, you know, one of the, I mean, one of the reasons was that um, my father wouldn't allow me to close my bedroom door. Uh, he told me that he, if I closed the door, he would take it off the hinges. I mean, this is... This is a teenager. I mean, there is nothing more important to a teenager. My, my daughter just went into her room and closed the door. Um, and this is what's important to a teenager is privacy. And I had none of that. And also 
um, when I was growing up in the sixties, we used to wear these giant bell bottoms, you know, blue jean bell bottoms and, and you wouldn't hem them. You would wear them really long and they would drag on the ground and then they would tear off. And that's how you had the perfect pair of blue jeans. Well, my father wouldn't let me do that. And sometimes he would make, he would catch me before I left for school and he would make me stand on the top step. We had like six, you know, seven steps that went up to the next landing. And he would make me stand on the step and see if my pants touched the ground. And if they did, he made me go change. And I would try to get around it. I would, you know, hike my pants up when he was doing this, when he was testing it. And I would like hold them between my thighs to see if I could fool him. And sometimes I did. Um, and it was, it was just awful. It was just really awful growing up there. So I went away to college and I was eating, um, a lot. And I, I also didn't have great eating habits. I didn't like salad. I didn't like vegetables. You know, my mother used to serve us canned vegetables and oh, they were so horrifying. And, um, so I ate a lot of bread and meat and cheese. And um, when I was in school, I befriended this, uh, like the first year of school, I befriended this, this girl and we became really close and, and, and meshed with each other. And we went on, a, we decided to go, we did everything together and we decided we would go on a diet together. And, and that meant going to visit this local doctor who was very popular with all the girls on campus because he would give pills to anyone, everyone. And um, so I went. Kathy, that's 10 minutes. I've done 10 minutes. Yes, you're done 10 minutes. Oh my God. I better get into my disease fast. Um, all right. So basically what happened is we got diet pills and um, they were not amphetamines. So we could get more of these. It was volume was, was what was important. And I started taking these pills along with my friend. And I was very measured in the way I was taking them because it was like it was like that slice of bologna. It was like that snack. I would make everything last. And uh I started losing weight and it was great. I mean, I was, it was, it felt fantastic. I had never been able to lose weight before. And, and I, mind you, I was not, I was not obese. I was never obese. I just weighed a little bit more than I wanted to. And what happened was this friend that I had all of a sudden dropped me. We were really connected and she all of a sudden deserted me. She just ghosted me and I didn't know what to do. And I left uh, where I went to school. I went to school in Albany, New York. I, I left there and for a semester I went to school down in New York City and lived with my parents for six months. And that's when I decided uh, that I was, I was going to take control of my life. No one was going to hurt me again. No one was going to step on me again. And I was going to become the skinniest person in the world because that's what I could control. 
that was my domain. My body was my domain. So I continued to take these diet pills and I slowly but surely lost one third of my body weight. I got down to um, over a period of two years, I think I got down to um, just under 85 pounds. I lost my period. Um, I mean, and I didn't think, I didn't think that I was thin. I didn't think I was thin enough. And, um, my parents, my mother especially was distraught and she had recommended that I contact Overeaters Anonymous because a friend, a friend of ours had a daughter who went there. And, you know, the, the best way for me to be turned off to anything was for my mother to suggest it. I ran in the other direction. I remember I did. I mean, I, I called the phone number. I was like, Oh, fine. I'll call. And, and I called and there was a recording. It said, if you'd like a meeting uh, list, please send 25 cents to blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'll oh, forget it. This is too much trouble. I'm not doing that. So this was back in the late seventies. Um, Cut to, uh, I was diagnosed as anorexic by this angel of a doctor. Um, and he suggested that we go to family therapy, which we did. And I definitely learned a lot. My family learned a lot. We changed some of our patterns. And I started to gain a little bit of weight, not much, but a little. Um, I started to do what I wanted to do, wanted, what I wanted to do with my life, which is something I had been avoiding. And uh, I became, I started to thrive. I was still quite thin. Uh, I probably weighed in the low 90s. And um uh, but I, I was doing okay in my life. So in 1985, I moved out to Los Angeles and I had a therapist. I had been referred to a therapist out here and she had recommended that I go to a, an OA meeting. It was an OA for AA meeting. And um, it was very odd. It was in the basement of a church. You know, they held hands. They said the Lord's Prayer. It was, it was all very weird to me. And when I went back to therapy, she asked me how, how, what I thought of the meeting. And I said, well, you know, I, I just didn't, I, I didn't, I, I don't think it, it's for me. And she said, okay, which is something I wasn't used to. I wasn't used to hearing anybody say, okay, about anything that I said. It was, I was always like trying, you know, my parents were always trying to convince me, particularly my mother was always trying to convince me to do things her way. So a couple of months later, my therapist said, yeah. you know, three minutes, I have three yeah, minutes left. Three, three minutes. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, she said, you know, I, I, I met this woman who goes to this uh, anorexic bulimic meeting and you might want to give her a call. So I really loved my therapist and I trusted her and I called this woman and she said, oh, you wouldn't believe some of the stories that 
you here at this meeting. And she shared with me that, that, you know, anonymously, she shared that one woman uh, had said that she would chew her food, swallow it, and then bring it right back up and chew it again and do this like three or four times. And I was like, oh my God. Meanwhile, I'm thinking that's exactly what I've been doing for years. Never thinking that anyone else did that. So I knew I had to get to this meeting. And I went there and immediately, immediately I knew that I was where I belonged. And that was in February of 1986. And in April of 1986, I became abstinent. And my initial abstinence was that I would not swallow, as I call it, swallow up my food anymore. That was my that was my only, that was my bottom line abstinence. I could skip meals. I, you know, everything else was okay, but I just couldn't swallow my food anymore. So that was 35 years ago. And, um, my, I can't believe it. My abstinence has definitely changed. I now eat three meals a day and a snack or two. Um, I weigh more than I would like to weigh. I'm, I'm not particularly happy with my body. Um, uh, last year, I had breast cancer, and right after I had my surgery, I started gaining weight. And I am not willing to go on a diet. I don't eat any more or less than I used to. I don't exercise any more or less than I used to. My body's just changing. I just turned 66, and my body's changing. And I, you know, I really feel there's a part of me that really believes that if I tried harder, if I really, really tried rigorously, I could look like what I looked like in my thirties. There's that part of my brain that still believes that, that I, that I don't realize that, you know, I'm a 66 year old woman. I'm not going to look like a 35 year old woman. I'm just not. Um, and this is a this is a tough one for me. You know, I never say that I'm a recovered anorexic. I say I'm a recovering anorexic. Um, I, you know, I don't know if I'll ever really like the way I look or feel comfortable in my body. I don't know. I've had moments when I have, but this past year, um, I've just sort of found a way to accept where I am. And I've learned that I can accept where I am and I don't necessarily have to like it. And that's time. That's my time. Oh my God. Um, well, um, I really was very, very uh, early life heavy for this, uh, this share, but I think that's really important. And, um, I, I mean, I, I still I still would like to lose weight. There's a part of me that would still like to lose weight, but I don't practice that anymore. I don't starve myself. I don't manipulate my food. I don't eat big meals, but I eat normal meals. I eat like a normal person. And um, being skinny is not my most outstanding feature anymore. And I find that there are things about me that are outstanding, but it's not being the skinniest person in the world. So thank you so much for letting me share. 
And I really look forward to hearing what everybody else has to say. Thank you.